Welcome to How I Got Here, a podcast from the garage at Northwestern exploring interesting journeys of young professionals working at exciting companies and the role that entrepreneurship played in getting them there. My name is Mike Rapp, and I love dissecting nonlinear and non-traditional career paths and the lessons that we can all take away from those who forge them. In this episode, I'm joined by Sarah Amat, the co-founder of Staple, a San Francisco-based startup providing a virtual address and mailroom to other startups. Sarah founded a company called Hot Plate as a college student, but ended up working for a small health tech startup after school. While working full-time, her and her co-founder Colin worked on dozens of startup ideas on the side before quitting their jobs after just a year to found their own startup. Since then, they've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars in venture capital, participated in the Y Combinator Accelerator program, and successfully pivoted their business during a global pandemic. There is so much wisdom shared in this conversation that it's difficult to distill, but what shines through it all is Sarah's optimism and authenticity. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Sarah Ahmad. Sarah, thank you so much for being here today. Of course. I thought a good place to start might be if you could kind of take us back to when you were a student at Northwestern, um, what you were studying and what you thought you wanted to do after graduation at that time. Yeah. So back in Northwestern, I actually was a chemical engineering major for the first half of college and ended up switching my junior year to the integrated engineering studies major, which is basically a build your own major within engineering. And so I combined my chemical engineering background with design and uh, industrial engineering courses and then also double majored in economics. And so I was really setting myself up for I knew I wanted to be in startups and tech and getting uh, figuring out a career in that industry. Got it. And I'm curious how you got involved um, with The Garage while you were there. So I was always really interested in startups. So even back in high school, I was involved with DECA, which was a business organization where you would create a business plan and pitch it. And so going into college, it was like in the back of my head that I wanted to do something entrepreneurial. And it happened to be that The Garage started my sophomore year. And so I was always like thinking about like what type of ideas I want to work on the back of my head. And then the summer before junior year, when I was interning uh, at a company in Chicago, that's when I was got the idea for that first startup uh, called Hot Plate. And it was basically an app that helped people find the best dishes at restaurants. And when I had that idea, it was, like, it was one of those things that, okay, I knew that I wanted this to exist in the world and the garage would be a really great place to start it. So it was this natural progression as our team wanted to continue working on it. And we were really excited about Hot Plate. Uh, and then, yeah, to get like really involved with the garage. It's interesting timing that the grass starts your sophomore year, but also it seems like your first couple of summers of school, you took more traditional internships. Um, and then in between your junior and senior year, um, worked on Hot Plate full time. I'm curious um, how you kind of compare those two different experiences of traditional internship versus uh, I'm working on my own thing full time. And was there any anxiety around that of like, oh, should I go out and get another kind of traditional internship? Yeah, so very different. So the summer before my junior year, I was interning at a paint company. So for context, I was still a chemical engineering major at the time. Uh, so it was a research and development role. So I spent my summer literally watching paint dry, as I like to say. I was making paint samples and doing a bunch of tests on them. And honestly, it was a very like boring experience. Uh, and I think it, it wasn't just like the work day to day didn't excite me that much, but it was also like the work culture. And I could see that like the people I was working around were very complacent. It was just like not the type of cultural role that I knew I wanted. And a lot of chemical engineering roles, if you go into like that traditional path, uh, that is like the type of industry and work environment that you're in. 
And so fast forwarding then to, to junior year, uh, I did recruit for a number of different roles in the fall, like any ambitious student, right? Uh, and I ended up accepting an offer at Whirlpool. And then in winter quarter, my co-founders were interested in doing summer wildfire, which is yeah, the program where essentially you get some money and get to work on your startup full time during the summer with the garage. And what they, when they were really committed to it, I definitely felt like that feeling of FOMO, right? Like I was going to miss out on getting to do this. And in my head, I knew like if I followed my intuition, what I really wanted to do was work on the startup um, full time because I, that's just like a more enjoyable experience, right? But of course, there was that weight of, okay, I'd already accepted this internship. And of course, like having that internship is, it's that idea of stability, right? And so it was a really hard decision at the time. Um, looking back, it should have been obvious and I should have just gone with working on my own startup. Um, but at the time, it definitely felt like I was taking away, like, obviously a really good opportunity, um, paid pretty well, right? For just like a summer. Uh, and of course, had that level of stability, like going after that, I was like, okay, maybe I could take this job, even though it wasn't even in an industry that I was interested in. But yeah, so at the time, it was like I was talking to everyone, like a lot of mentors, friends, and honestly, getting a lot of different advice. I think it just depends on someone's risk tolerance if they're like, oh, you should take the internship that you've already took uh, or if you should work on your own startup. And yeah, looking back, I'm like, that was the most opportune time to be working on your own venture. Uh, and then last summer, too, it's just like, OK, if you're going to go into tech and startups, what when working on your own startup actually gives you that experience to parachute into that even more than working for any other company. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I love so much what you said that uh, it was obvious to you that you wanted to work on Hot Plate, but there are all these yeah. like external validation factors of like stability and money and all these things that I think some sometimes students have a hard time parsing through uh, what the right decision there is. Yeah, yeah. And at the time, too, I mean, I feel like Northwestern culture, a lot of it is like you have a really great internship that summer between junior and so junior and senior year. And if you don't, then there is this feeling of failure almost associated with it, or it's like it's a little taboo, um, but it shouldn't be. I think like it shouldn't be. And I think Northwestern has definitely gotten better about that as like the garage has more of a presence where it's become more more of the norm to do something like that the summer before your senior year. Well, that's because of the success stories of students like you, <laughs> alumni like you starting your own companies. Um, tell me a bit more about Outplate. How how big did you guys grow it? Um, what did it look like on campus? What was that experience like? Yeah, yeah. So I was working on it pretty rigorously the last two years of college. And at its peak, we had grown it to a few hundred users, over 500 users in the Evanston area. And so we had a fully functioning app, um, had a few iterations of it also that we had launched. Uh, and the big launch was around Big Bite Night uh, in fall of my senior year. And so that was basically an event where Northwestern students could go and try a bunch of restaurants in uh, the Evanston area. And that was a really cool partnership opportunity because we basically got a, a bunch of downloads just the day of to help people like facilitate, oh, like, what can you go eat? And like, what are the ratings on there? Um, and so, yeah, from there, it was basically a lot of a lot of iteration and seeing how how far we could take it. Very interesting. So uh, your your summer before senior year, you go through wildfire. Um, you know, you've grown this to have hundreds of users. What was your thought process around getting a job after school at that point? I know you mentioned that you knew you wanted to work in tech and startups. So, uh, you know, were you recruiting with kind of the big tech companies? Did you know you were going to move to the Bay Area after school? 
or what were you thinking kind of fall of your senior year? Yeah, so fall of my senior year, I basically just wanted to see how far I could take hot play. In my mind, the goal would be to take it full time. And at the time, too, I, I was I was very much in the mindset that if I did this full time, I'd probably do it in Chicago just because the cost of living was very cheap. And of course, like through wildfire and, and some of like the garages, like grants, like we had enough money where if through that and like how much money I saved could probably do like six months at least of like full time. Um, and so that's really like what I was pushing for in fall. And then it's not until like winter and spring then that I had the more of the reality check that, okay, this it, we aren't quite getting like the metrics necessary to like take this full time. Of course, it was a consumer app, so it didn't have any good revenue model <laughs> behind it. Uh, and so we'd have to raise money and it didn't necessarily have that kind of engagement around it. Uh, and I did my winter quarter in San Francisco um, through the Bay Area Immersion Program. And so that was a really good experience to get hands-on experience in San Francisco and see what it's like to be working alongside like tech and startups. And I loved that culture, just like how fast-paced it is. Like you're walking around, it's just like everyone's like in tech, um, which I learned a lot of people find very negatively. But for me, it was like that kind of energy that I, I thrived in. And so by the end of that quarter is really where I was like, okay, it's it's time to start looking for a job. Um, and then spent a lot of spring quarter recruiting then. It's an interesting comparison of uh, your feelings about San Francisco compared to what you said earlier at the the paint company, where there <laughs> wasn't like that ambition or that excitement. Um, yeah, and it seems yeah. like you found it. Yeah. Um, so you ended up after school uh, starting at a, a health tech startup in Oakland. How did that opportunity come about? Yeah. And so when I knew I was going to be recruiting, a lot of the big tech companies do recruit earlier. Uh, in the year for roles around like product um, and engineering. And so I was looking more for like a design role anyway. So I was applying to a lot of places, um, both like big tech companies and small startups and both in Bay Area and Chicago. And I think it helped like my my network was stronger in Chicago. So I was getting a lot further in like the interview process with companies there. Um, But this was like the only opportunity that I had that I was actually interviewing at that was in the Bay Area. so how I found the opportunity through a woman woman in product Facebook group. And so I posted in there basically for design. A lot of times you have your design portfolio of all the work that you've done. And I was asking for feedback on it um, on my my personal portfolio. And really, it's like a way to get in front of people that might be hiring. Right. And I think like the people who responded knew that as well. Uh, and so I ended up taking a call with someone who ended up being my product manager uh, at the health tech startup. and. That basically was the first like catalyst into like, okay, like seems like might be a good fit. We're like hiring someone for a user experience engineering role. Um, and yeah, ended up in- going through like the interview process and actually was in San Francisco through the garage trip at the time that weekend after I had that call. So I was able to meet the VP of product in person. And obviously like that really helped as well. Super interesting. And what was your experience like coming into, you know, uh, a tech startup in San Francisco after school, you've been like waiting for this, you know, your college career. Did it live up to your expectations? Um, what was that experience like? Yeah, it was interesting. It was a about 20 person startup. Um, and so very small, right? Like we had uh, a team based out of Oakland and then we also had some remote folks all across um, the US, primarily in Denver. Um, and so Going into it, it was like, I think I think with any first job, you don't necessarily even know what to expect. Um, 
And so there's a lot of excitement and energy around that, though, right? It's like, okay, I'm I'm in this new role, like I'm ready to like give it my all and like really understand like how it's like. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it was an interesting experience overall because you do get to see firsthand at a company that small, like how all the different disciplines work together. Like, how does marketing and sales like impact product and engineering um, and design? And I think specifically being in healthcare, um, there's there's a lot of differences uh, working for a company that's like so in such a regulatory space. Um, versus like, you know, a company, uh, I think typically when people think of, of startups, it's like, okay, you're, you're moving fast, you're breaking like everything, like you're defying like all the rules. But in healthcare, it's like, it's very important to make sure that you're, you're following those guidelines. And so sometimes that would mean that, okay, we were moving a little more intentionally or a little slower than I'd expected for like a Silicon Valley startup. Um, but it still like gives you that like crazy amount of experience that you can then take uh, to any job or of course, like your own startup as well. Right. And speaking of Silicon Valley startups, after about a year there, uh, you end up leaving your job to start your own company. Um, I'm very curious, like how the idea for Mistro came about and what gave you the confidence to, to step away from a steady paycheck to start your own thing. Yeah. So I was working with, or still I'm working with uh, a fellow Northwestern alum, Colin. Uh, so he and I were both, both decided to do wildfire at the summer for our senior years. Um, as well. And so we've always been like pretty entrepreneurial. And ever since we moved out here, like just a few months in, we started ideating on a bunch of different ideas. And so there's an evolution of probably at this point, like 10 plus maybe ideas that we were like at some point kind of testing. Um, right. And so just like on the side of our jobs, we would work uh, evenings and weekends and, you know, figure out what was working, what was not. Uh, and so Mistro uh, in its your form of, of how most people would recognize it. Uh, it was a platform to help provide uh, benefits to remote teams. So everything from home office equipment to co-working space uh, memberships and health insurance. Uh, and we landed on that idea middle of summer last year, so 2019. And at the time, soon after that, we had closed two customers and had them sign um, basically like... Uh, service agreement saying like, okay, if you build this, we'll, we'll use the product. Um, and so that was really what gave us a lot of confidence. And okay, people want what we're thinking of building, right? It was like, we didn't have anything at the time. It basically described what the product was. Uh, and they were, it solved a big enough problem for them where they were like, okay, I'd be willing to pay for this. Um, so I think the combination of that and on, on my side, I felt like my growth, like at the startup was kind of stagnating. Like personally, what I wanted to learn um, wasn't necessarily in line with what the kind of responsibilities I was getting. And I think that the nature of that is like being in a junior role uh, and having that. It was a lot of engineering work. And I would say like, not necessarily the most excited about the engineering work. Uh, and so the combination of that was like, I knew that I wanted to either switch roles, um, what ideally I would work on this um, full time. And so I had about like six months of savings. And so I knew that if we couldn't raise money, then there was always that path to go and get another full time job, which, uh, you know, at the time it was like the economy was great and there was a lot of people hiring. And so it, that that prospect was like, OK, like that's that's totally fine with me. Um, and so doing that whole risk assessment, like just where I would be happiest uh, and what I want to do professionally, it made sense. Um and uh, yeah, when I put in my notice, we didn't have any money raised. Um, it was just like, okay, we have some people that maybe would be interested in writing a few checks. Um, yeah, we didn't have, we weren't in any accelerator or anything like that. It was just like, 
we had some semblance of traction and then we would see where it would go from there. That's super interesting. I love that you had the kind of external validation or customer validation before you decided to step away. Yeah, I think that was a big one too. Um, I think it it would be hard to make that decision um, without like any semblance of like what we're building. Like, do people actually want this? Or would they use it? Um, and I think like for us, it was like we don't we didn't have like so much savings that we could just like bootstrap this for like years, right? Like we knew there was like a, a deadline there, and and so raising money was like top of mind, right? Like we knew that was like one of the first priorities for us to just like even have the opportunity to work on it full time. Yeah. I'd love to hear more about your experience of raising money for the first time. Did you feel comfortable doing it? Was it awkward? Were there like resources or guides you read? Or what was kind of that experience with those first initial conversations with investors? Yeah, yeah. So it's definitely a little awkward at the beginning because you're not used to going into these conversations, pitching yourself and basically asking someone to write a pretty big check into a company. And it's basically like, especially at the stage, it's just like you and your co-founders, like basically for your team uh, so you can live, right? <laughs> um, and I, I, yeah, I read so many guides. And I think that's something that I've always just been interested in, right? Like if you are going to be the fa- a founder of a startup out here, more than likely you are going to raise money at some point. Um, so really understanding how to do it. Like how are you supposed to craft a pitch deck? Uh, like what are you supposed to talk about in those like 30 minute calls? Okay, if you have a second call, like what, is, what does that uh, look like? And like how much to raise? Like what are the types of, notes that you can raise on. I, I remember that was just such a mystery to understand like safe notes versus convertible notes and what's the difference and what what are the terms that are favorable for whom. Um, and so there's a lot to learn. And I think like it's one of those things that sometimes it's taken for granted that if you were like raised or like you were more exposed to that at a young age that you might assume that people know, but it's it's definitely like a big learning curve um, to understand. And so it's for, we're fortunate that like there's so many great resources online now for that. Um, but I think also what really had helped us was like the garage, having that experience with the garage in undergrad, because two of our biggest like supporters were people that we met through that network. Um, and so as I like alluded to earlier, so the, the trip that we had to San Francisco with the garage, um, senior year. So we had met, um, so one person, so Chris Erickson, who is the co-founder of Apartment List, uh, and then also Cable Desai. Um, and so we had met with both of them, stayed in touch uh, throughout that year before while we were working on these ideas on the side and, and constantly like pinging them, getting their feedback. So they had seen how the different ideas and iterations, even before the benefits um, part of it had evolved at time. And so then when, you know, it was like very serious, we're like, OK, quitting our jobs, going full time. Uh, they were the ones who really like helped, like, like we're like some of the first people to put money in, but then also helped to get other investors on board. Uh, and so, yeah, without them, it would have been definitely a lot more challenging. Uh, but that helped a lot with, with getting that process started. I think that's so important to highlight is that these are people that you had had relationships with and they'd seen you make progress on an idea before they wrote a check. For the other investors, um, I'm curious if, if during your pitch or your meetings with them, you and Colin talked at all about your experiences with Hotplate and, and with your startups in school. Yeah, we did. So a lot of early stage investing too, and especially at that pre-seed level is investing in the team. Um, and so a lot of, you know, being able to show like who we are and, and our experience, like that was like a part of what we did. Um, and what made us really like, you know, the things, the experiences we learned that sets, sets us up for success 
moving forward. And it definitely helped to like we're working in this remote workspace. We'd both worked with remote teams at our previous jobs and, and had like real work life experience, which I think a lot of them do value where it's like, OK, you're coming from some sort of experience that you've had. And you also kind of understand like a lot more of those like soft skills of what it's like to work in a team environment. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, so you and Colin with Mistro uh, eventually were accepted into YC or Y Combinator, um, which is obviously, you know, highly desired accelerator program. What were the biggest lessons that you learned there or what were kind of the biggest benefits uh, of being in that cohort? Yeah, yeah. So it's great, especially looking back. Uh, it's funny to think that that was the last in-person, mostly in-person batch. Um, and really like the biggest value that we still take from the network is just like the people itself. Uh, so definitely met some really great friends throughout the the batch itself that we stay in touch with, right? And, and when you have those quick questions of like, like what tool should you use for, I don't know, like accounting or like sending emails? Like it's like, who are, these are like the people that you end up asking. Uh, and then the second layer of that is just like the alumni network is is pretty big right now. And so that online community really helps to also just get really great advice. Um, but also just like people who have been in your shoes might be like a little further along um, and can really help out or, you know, be a customer of what you're doing. Right. And so show their support in that way. Uh, and so I would say that, that that network is the number one benefit, I would say. Um, I think like secondary too is just like, yeah, the whole experience of YC it really pushes you. Like they give you permission, right, to say no to everything else. Uh, like your startup for these three months is like the most important thing, which is like equivalent of a quarter, quarter, right? Uh, which is, I mean, it was a really intense three months. I think like looking back to it was kind of like, I think in Northwestern, like you have a quarter was like obviously like really tough. And then but you would have these midterms in the middle. So you'd work really, really hard. And then you would kind of have a small break and then you'd work really hard. Right. It's like this up and down. And YC was like this entire like up. Um, <laughs> like it was just like definitely like a busy, like stressful time. But it also like shows that if you really focus, like how much you can get done. And I think that's like something that's really great to know um, just like for yourself, like what are like your your limits and like how much can you like put into something that you care about. Yeah. And it seems to me kind of those two points combined are the exposure to other people working on their startups and what they're doing and like how they work um, or is helpful rather, because otherwise you're just kind of in your own bubble. Like, am I doing this right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that energy too, of just like being around people that are also super passionate about what they're building uh, was just like amazing to be at. Like we would have dinners every Thursday night. Right. And so you'd have dinner with, with people in your batch and then um, a talk. And I think like just being able to touch base with your peers and you're just like having that relation of, OK, we're going through the same thing. And at times it's like really, like, you know, you're really excited, you're really happy. But there's also like a lot of downtimes. Uh, like I remember there being like in the middle, like I think around like, yeah, like the midpoint of the batch where it became very apparent, like how hard it would be to hit. Um, the goal that you set for demo day originally, um, you know, of course, like when you're very optimistic for what three months are uh, to be in that, like with other people, uh, like there's something really rewarding about that as well. Yeah, makes sense. So after you guys had raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for Mistro, you had participated in YC, uh, you ended up pivoting the business to what you're working on now, which is called Stable. Um, can you walk me through what that process was like? I'm sure it was a difficult decision to make. Yeah, yeah. So soon after YC, so this is right when COVID-19 was 
really hitting, right? Um, so like our demo day was the day that the shelter in place in San Francisco um, was put down. And things were changing really rapidly, both in, I mean, the day-to-day life that we all experience, um, but especially like working on a startup, like what is that fundraising uh, landscape like? Like what is the sales landscape like? Like what are your customers, like what are they thinking about and what's like important to them? Like all this was shifting very, very quickly. And so we were in the HR space, which is notorious already for having long sales cycle um, and just like being very like enterprise sales driven. And so you couple that with the fact that a lot of companies were struggling, right? And so there was a lot of budgets being slashed. And then also HR folks were, were very busy because they were taking care of their teams. Um, and so all those combinations um, really like made it clear that it was not quite working the way that we needed to. Like We needed to get more mid-market um, enterprise customers on our platform for it to actually like the economics of it to work. Uh, and so we started iterating on on a bunch of different ideas that were tangential with the, within the remote work and HR space. Um, and so this was between April and May, primarily of of this year. And what we had noticed with remote teams and talking to hundreds of them through all the research that we'd done is that there was always this question of if you don't have a physical headquarters or office anywhere, what does your address end up being? Uh, so this is a question that would come up in calls about Mistro because we were working with remote teams and we had noticed this th- trend occurring, right? And a lot of people were getting rid of their physical offices. And so we started seeing a lot of people ask these questions even more uh, than before. Uh, and so that's like really where the idea of Stable came to us. And um, so Stable is a virtual address and mailroom for startups. And so essentially we give them a permanent business address that they can use on their taxes government documents, vendors, et cetera. And then we also digitize any mail that comes in for them. And that's really helpful for these remote teams um, that, yeah, they either don't have a physical presence or they're getting rid of their their offices. Um, and because of the timing of it, so we were like, okay, let's test this idea um, in May. And we just like put out a post like within the YC network and got a lot of interest from companies that wanted to sign up today. Um, and at that point, we didn't even have any product or anything. We were just like, okay, like testing to see if people were interested. And that response was so much more positive than anything that we'd even seen with Mistro. And so we knew that this was like a path to explore and to go down further. Um, and so, yeah, it, and sure enough, like that, that was the right decision, right? So in June, we ended up onboarding our first customers. And then fast forward to a few months today, we're already working with over 100 companies. And, you know, building the platform as fast as we can and, and really keeping up, right, with, with the demand that's out there. That sounds very exciting place to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been, it's been a fun journey and it's evolved very fast. <laughs> I think anyone uh, listening to this conversation will hear how positive and passionate and optimistic and, and how much you enjoy being like around exciting cultures um, and that you're willing to take on risk. I'm curious if you ever have doubts or if you ever feel like you have an imposter syndrome or if there are ever any of those that kind of anxiety or stress um, being the founder of a company, especially as you're going to start hiring people um, and, and having more responsibility. Um, and if so, how you kind of work with that or deal with that? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think it's something that most founders do feel is like some level of imposter syndrome, right? And I think that evolves at every stage of the company. Um, like I think early on when we had first like raised money, I, it was hard for me to wrap my head around like we like somehow convinced these people to give us like a few hundred thousand dollars to just like like work on a bunch of ideas. 
Um, and I think like even that level of like acceptance of like, no, like people really believe in you and, and they want to see you succeed and whatever form that might be, it's like, that's like, that's real. And that's like validating. Um, and I think like even today, right, like it, it evolves to a different form, right? It's like in every stage, like, okay, am I making the right decision for the company? Like, is this the, the right decision for the next like three, six, like 12 months? And at, at every point, you're making a series of bets, right? It's like, okay, how much confidence do you have that like, this is the right idea to be working on? Or like, this is the right decision in the company? Um, and so I think like, that's something that never quite goes away. And I've seen a lot of tweets too, of like founders who've been doing it for like five plus years, and they still attest to that. Um, like it just like evolves like in the in the way that like what you actually feel. And I mean, I think for me, a lot of it's like also just like the way that I think I deal with it best is just like invest in yourself, right? And it's really easy when you're the founder of a company to like work incessantly. And I probably do have like a lot of like unhealthy work habits, but I think like for me, it's like definitely becoming like more and more important like like on the weekends to like totally un- unplug from work and just like you know, it, it's more than likely like nothing's like on fire right um and so just getting that time to like focus on like relationships um and doing like taking care of yourself like i think that really helps because that gets you in like a good mental state um and make sure that you're in the right mindset to really like tackle the week then when like monday comes around right like it's healthier to to be in a good place mentally than overwork yourself yeah, because I think that's also like just like a coping mechanism where it's like if you're unsure of yourself, you're like, well, if I just work hard, then, you know, like things will get done at least. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm curious if there is um, one lesson or learning that you have from your experience all the way back to Hot Plate and Mistro and Stable uh, as an entrepreneur that stands out uh, of, a, you know, skill or quality or lesson that you've learned that is important to be successful. Yeah, yeah. I think the the two things that come to my mind, I think the first touch on so investing in yourself, right? Um, Because at the end of the day, like at the early stage, like you are basically the company or like 50% of the company. Um, And then I think the second thing is we're investing in your relationships. And so uh, professionally, a lot of the people that you decide to work with, you're going to be working with them for a really long time, whether that be like your co-founder or like investors. Um, and so being really like mindful of that and what is that relationship like with them and how do you how do you manage conflict and how do you make sure that you have a positive like working experience? I think that's all like things that are so important. And I, I think like when I was at Northwestern, like it, I didn't I didn't, don't think I was as intentional about necessarily like who I wanted to work with. Like I love my hot plate team. Um, and I, but I think a lot of it was like happenstance, right? Like we were in a class together and we were all ended up on that same team. And then like slowly like you know it would handpick um people and i think like now fast forward a few years and it's like i feel like because of those decisions like really lucked out right like like me and colin have this amazing working uh experience together and but it's like okay that could have been like anyone and i don't think i knew exactly like what we were getting into right like you're you're literally like <laughs> that is like your your work married uh, essentially for that amount of time um and similarly like with your investors like you want to work with like people you trust and those relationships, like they don't just carry through just like your first startup. Like it is like one of those things that are like for life. Um, and so being intentional about it and just like how you handle it and always like putting your best foot forward. Um, like I think Colin and I were both very genuine people. And I think the way that we come across with like investors or like anyone like professionally that we're working with, like whether it's customers, partners, that's like the thing that we really like strive to be. And so thinking about, I guess, like what's your I mean, it sounds weird to say like your your brand as a 
uh, a founder. But I mean, it, it's true. Like you want to be someone that people will continuously like want to work with. And um, we're just at the beginning stages of this. But I think like being intentional about that early on um, can help in the long run. I think that's really smart. Okay, last question here. What would your advice be for a young Sarah who's still in school who knows she wants to start her own company one day? I think the biggest thing that can happen, um, like whether, no matter like what path you end up taking right out of college, is that like you, it's easy to grow complacent in that first job uh, or maybe even second job, like whatever order it might be. But if you know that you want to be a founder one day, it's important to like exercise that muscle and, and figure out how to make time for that endeavor. Uh, I think it, it is difficult to get the, make that first job that you have, like your own startup that you're working. Obviously, a lot of people do it, um, but it, it's like challenging. A lot of pieces have to align. And just because like that's not going to be your first job doesn't mean that you're not going to get to do that sometime soon. Um, and so I feel very fortunate that, you know, I ended up going on this path where like Colin and I like started working on all these things on the side where we were able to like just continue to exercise that muscle of like, how do you build something that people want? How do you test that? And how do you explain what you're doing? And those are the things that, you know, eventually then, you know, if you get enough traction with what you're working on on the side, then similarly, you can quit your full-time job, work on it full-time or get into an accelerator, or raise some money, like whatever that path might look like. Um, and so, yeah, I would just say like, keep on, keep on hustling. <laughs> yeah. I think um, a lot of students feel like if their first job out of school isn't like their dream job or they haven't scaled their company so they can work on it full time afterwards, like they're a failure when in reality, like careers are so long. It doesn't really matter where you begin. It's like where you grow from there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like it's easier, right. A few years out to then also like have that perspective, right. Because like I see so many of my friends still changing their careers, right. Or like the first job wasn't what they expected, even if it was a dream job, so to speak at the time. And I think that's like really common. And so to think that, you know, at 21, 22, that you know what you're going to want to do for the next five years, like five years is a long time. And it's it's probably unlikely that, that that first thing is going to be something that you're like super excited about. But it's about, yeah, like not being complacent and figuring out what does make you excited and getting on that path um, as soon as you can. I think that's a great place to end. Thanks so much for your time, Sarah. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. If there's one lesson I would take away from Sarah, it's that she follows her intuition and curiosity over external pressure or validation. Going into her final summer as a college student, she had secured a high-value internship that looked good on her resume and would provide stability and a good paycheck. But what she really wanted to do was work on her own startup. And although the decision to turn down that internship was difficult to make at the time, she says now, quote, looking back, it should have been obvious that I should have gone with working on my own startup. Her experience that summer was invaluable to the knowledge and skills that have aided her in founding Stable and raising money from investors. If you're deciding between two options, I encourage you to consider which one you're more excited about instead of which one you think others will be more impressed with. How I Got Here is a podcast from The Garage at Northwestern and is produced by Melissa Kaufman, Ben Williams, and Elizabeth Wright. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform.